How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite Orange County soccer podcast, the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Uh, we've got some stuff to talk about. Orange County's on a bit of a roll, which is awesome, sort of perfect timing of the season. And there's an important match coming up, maybe some revenge for Orange County and their fans. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. One, two, Godoy. He's found a great ball in a Voltsin. Plenty of time. He smashes it home and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas in a Voltsin. Segbris sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there. Crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and parrying aside. Well taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast brought to you by roughneck scarves we are the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. And joining me just in the nick of time, uh, like he does each and every episode, it's my Robin, or the Robin to my Batman. We've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, welcome, or how's, welcome. How are things going, Dylan? They're going. Uh, Bonnie Raitt would be proud of me being here in the nick of time and all. Um, That's a late 80s music reference for those of you that don't aren't familiar don't know bonnie Raitt. how do out. you know 80s music dylan well you, you you know how old my parents are i'm an old man everyone who listens to this probably realizes there's an old man well, well Bauhaus is reuniting in la so that's another 80s band see we got it all this is yeah. the 80s episode already i'm doing good i'm <laughs> glad to be here glad i finally peter got on peter here. murphy but <laughs> Oh, we're 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 into it, folks. Uh, for who's those that you, guy? Yeah, who is that guy? For those of you that uh, have been missing his awesome voice, and maybe we'll get an opportunity to see around wherever he is currently. That's Cameron. Cameron, welcome back to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Thanks for having me back, Ray. It's good to see you guys again. I've been the, the prodigal son returns, and the groupie has resumed self-identified duties. His groupiness. The groupiness is I have arrived, returned. There we go. And, and just to, out of curiosity, uh, in case the camera turns on at some point, Cameron, uh, where are you and what should we uh, expect to see if that camera does turn on at some point? During so, this you're gonna see, yeah. you're, so you're going to see a lot of black. Um, I am in my car at Newport Beach because in my area, my neck of the woods where I live, I couldn't find a parking spot. So it gave me an excuse to come down to the beach. I was just there. I should have just done it in the car. I was just there. I should have done it in your car. Yeah, you should have something. Yeah, up in we should. Yeah, we should have. We should have a Volkswagen podcast. It's like it's perfect soundproof. Yeah, soundproof. Sponsor us. <laughs> Vol- they got it. They right. got a new. They got a new logo by uh, by the way. Um, or at least a new design of their logo. It looks the same. Uh, sitting patiently, waiting to be introduced in his amazing. If you're watching on the live stream, his amazing pink 
shirt with uh, I believe it's little flamingos all around, or is that what those little dots are? Um, that. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll find out more about that shirt, though. It's Alan from San Diego. Alan, uh, how are things going, man? Pretty good. You are correct. Those are little black flamingos. I am f- currently full mingo in support of one of my favorite USL kits in the entirety of the USL in Ford Madison. It is a great evening to be here in my own home as opposed to in a car or on a plane. Uh, so I am glad to be sitting here drinking a beer talking about Orange County soccer. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that missed our last episode, uh, Alan awesomely joined us thousands of feet up in the sky on a Southwest flight as he was flying up to Sacramento. Didn't really say much while he was on the flight because I think that would have been a little weird for whoever was sitting next to him. But he definitely contributed uh, thanks to the amazing text reading of Dylan uh, whenever Alan had something interesting to share. So. That is awesome. Uh, let's get into the thick of things here with the show. Like I said, we do have a match to talk about. Orange County's riding high. Uh, probably we can safely say in the Western Conference, the hottest team outside of Phoenix is Orange County Soccer Club. They're riding a streak of 12 points in four matches, and they are hoping that it'll continue. And we'll talk about it a little later as they host uh, an El Paso locomotive team that they're probably hoping to get some revenge on after an early season disappointing result. So let's get into the thick of things. Let's talk about the match this past weekend up in Portland. It was this past Sunday, right smack dab in the middle of NFL uh, opening weekend. Uh, For those of you that made it out to our watch party at out of the park pizza in Anaheim, thanks for making your way on out. It was, it was a fun experience. Uh, I know Cameron Dylan, you were there and, and plenty of other people, super fan, Andy, uh, Matt Blaine from Caroline Coalition, the the, the head honcho there, uh, and even a couple of people from Orange County Soccer Club made it out. So thanks for everyone that did make it out. Dylan, I'm going to start with you. But not uh, Alan. Oh. Not Alan. Uh, it makes sense. There's no need for him to drive like two hours from San Diego to watch the game on TV uh, where he could just watch it in the comfort of his home. Uh, Dylan, uh, thoughts on this match just briefly, and then we'll get into the more uh, detailed thoughts. Um. We dominated possession. We dominated like the run of the play. I think for a good portion of that game, but I don't think we particularly played too well. Um, I thought we outplayed Portland. Um, I thought that Malik Badawi did a good job of trying to make that game interesting by blowing a ton of calls. Um, but they they pulled through. They did a good amount of defending the last ten ish minutes of the match um, and, and saw it through. Uh, and you know, any point on the road is huge. Getting three points on the road for the second time consecutively, just, just good stuff. That's amazing. Um, I, I left happy, um, a little wary, but happy. Great way to end that, uh, that thought there. Uh, Alan, what about you? You were watching at the comfort of your home there in San Diego. Uh, did, do you agree with what Dylan's um, initial thoughts are on that match? Yeah, I thought, uh, except for maybe like 10 minutes in the second half after they scored the second goal, and they kind of, it felt like they took the foot off their gas a little bit, and Portland looked like the uh, team that had just scored and had lots of energy. Uh, I was a little bit worried that they were going to mount a comeback because they, they've done that before previously. I think uh, against Reno, um, I think they were down a goal and they came back, or Portland had recently done it, something like that. Um, I was a little bit worried, actually. Um, they just looked a little bit flat kind of midway through the second half, uh, but they managed to uh, 
Um, hold on. A huge, 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 huge save from Frederick Dew in the 84th minute on a free kick. Um, I'm not sure how he got there, uh, but he for sure got there in enough time to get both hands on the ball to put it wide. I think that was kind of the, the moment of the second half um, defensively. Uh, it's always nice to see Michael Seaton and Darwin Jones continue to link up uh, both goal and assist. Uh, so I was pretty happy with the play for the most part. Um, they kind of played. It felt like a home game away. Like they played it like it was a home game with tons of possession. I think 65% in the first half. Um, so I was, I was for an away game, it was good. If that was a home game, it would have been a little bit concerning. But for an away game, I thought they played well. And uh, Cameron, I'll, I'll jump to you. What are your initial thoughts on this match uh, for Orange County up there in uh, Portland? I mean, it's it felt like a professional performance overall. Um, I felt Portland just wasn't up for the races against Orange County being in such good form. I think when Seton scored, Portland had no response. They had no response. And Orange County was suffocating them, congesting, being able, they were able to block pathways. Um, they prevented... Portland from getting any scoring chances, but as they say, that a two 0 lead is the worst lead to um, have in sports, and, and that was more or less of Orange County's put, taking their foot off the gas and getting complacent for like what Alan said the last ten, like that, that ten minute spell, and really Frederick do kind of the moment of the match for me. I think that that was easily going in top corner, and this could have been you know two points dropped if it wasn't for him. And we've seen Orange County blow two nil leads earlier in the season. So it, it could have been another, it could have been same old song and dance, but this is the Orange County we've come to know and love last season just being dominant winning. And right now we're sitting pretty, I think if correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're in fifth place at the moment. Um, kind of just back to where we're, where we're supposed to be in the playoffs in a playoff spot. And so you can't, can't really say it's, it was, it wasn't a can't, you can't. It, yeah. Like what Alan said, um, if this was, if it was, if it was a home performance, yeah, there could have been some issues, but you know, you, you play however you want to play it on the road, as long as you get three points. Well, and for those of you who listen to the podcast uh, week in and week out, you know, Alan would say, you know, you go striving for one point on the road, Three points is sort of the bonus type thing. I know with the way Orange County's been playing recently, I think there's a lot of expectation from the fans and probably from the the team in the front office there to get the full three points on this type of match, which it's amazing that they did. Uh, I think all of you mentioned it, or at least some of you mentioned it, the uh, letting the foot off the gas there in the second half maybe becomes a little worry, worrisome, especially because of what Orange County had done or or the lack of, of the ability to close out matches. Uh, in the similar fashion earlier on in the season where Orange County's either up or they're tied and then give up a really late goal and it just becomes this very big disappointment. So although, well, I, although not like the greatest complete match, the fact that they go to Portland, get the three points, come back home and now uh, gets a chance to host uh, an El Paso team that on, again, on paper and records wise, you should be able to beat uh, is a nice thing. Uh, Cameron, you had something to say there? Well, I think that, you know, the whole, you you go for one point on the road, three points is a bonus. That's very that's very much like 
the set template. But I think just this is what we expect or at the beginning of the season, this is what we expect Orange County to do because we was we were the regular season champions in 2018 and our squad was relatively unchanged apart from Enna Voldson going to Indy 11 and now he's at Sacramento Republic. And you know, this, this is the expectation that was set by the team in the front office. And I think that now it took a while, but now we're doing what we're supposed to do. Get take three uh, points. Oh, man, away. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And this is, I mean, honestly, I think we all are, can be in agreement here. This is a totally different Orange County soccer club squad or, or run of form than we've seen most of the season. I think it's a great time to start getting on this type of run, which is which is awesome to see. Hopefully they can sustain it for the next couple months. That would be so awesome. Uh, let's talk about Frederick Dew, though. Uh, second match with Orange County. Uh, two matches, two amazing saves. Probably more if you count, but really when you look at it, like two really key saves in each of these two matches. Um, is this, Dylan, I'll, I'll go to you first. Is this what you were expecting out of uh, out of our new goalkeeper, or are you a little surprised that he's been able to come in and make such an immediate impact with the squad? Um, when I so Cameron and I found out who Frederick Dew was a few days before he was announced because uh, we saw him at, at a match um, and looked up his stats and looked up how many saves he'd made for Hartford. Hartford conceded a lot of goals and they lost a lot of matches, but Frederick Dew made a lot. Sorry. Frederick Dew made a lot of saves. Um, so I kind of assumed it would be a similar performance from him, especially with a better back line and a, really a better 10 men in front of him. Um, and, and he hasn't shied away from making big saves uh, and, and being really reliable when he's been called on. I am but thrilled with him. Um, I feel a little bit bad for Aaron almost. Um, you know, if he, if he comes back, I... I as good as Aaron's been, I don't think you can drop Frederick for him. Uh, I think Aaron's back to the uh, back to the bench for the rest of the year. But just but just imagine that you have two Orange County goalkeepers potentially having the top two saves of the season. Yeah, it's uh, like, it's amazing. Like Aaron, I if 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 we never even signed Frederick, I would have been completely fine with Aaron starting. But the thing is, you know, he has national team duties, and Carlos Lopez bless his heart, isn't really that good of a goalkeeper. So Frederick was out of necessity, but you know, Frederick, he had, he made that, he made a really good stop before Portland conceded. Like we, I I forgot about that one too, like with that stop of the foot. And he clearly is, can command his box really well, good athleticism, good reflexes. And I think this was a shrewd pickup for Orange County heading to the playoffs, which leads towards the back, back end of the season. Yeah, well, I think. Uh, well, go ahead, Alan. I think if you look at kind of the run of form, uh, Orange County hasn't lost a game since I think July twentieth, and that really speaks to kind of when Aaron came on and really kind of took over his role and really kind of solidified that position. Um, that one loss was kind of that fluke, weird game in Tacoma that definitely should not have lost that one. But you look at the good run of form that Aaron's had, and then for. Uh, do to step in and kind of just run with it. I think uh, we can give some credit to do. I think we give some credit Cervantes. I think some of it also comes from solidifying that back line. We kind of have that Walker Hume, Michael Orozco setup that seems to be working pretty well as far as communicating with each other. Um, I just think uh, Cervantes did, did kind of solidify everything and get things rolling in the right direction. 
Um, but I, I do, I do want to give some credit to Cervantes. Uh, Jude just kind of stepped in and kind of just hit the ground running and built on that success. Um, and I, I think the, the team's improvement went along with solidifying the, the starting 11 and then making sure everyone's comfortable with, with the keeper. Um, and do is, you know, playing out of his mind right now, as far as stepping into a, a team, a new team. Um, so I don't want to write off Cervantes's role either. He kind of grew into that role and I think it helps, um, the confidence of the back line. And then when do stepped up, stepped in, I think it was just, a, you know, training out one and putting in the other nice, confident keeper. I mean, like, to put, to put, well, to put it in perspective, like, Aaron's only 17. He's not 27. He's not like he's fresh, like, going to lose his spot at in the, in the prime of his career. Like, he's only 17. So, I mean, I feel like there's nothing to write him off. It's like, look how many, look how many years he can have as a goalie. He can play till 40. And, you know, him showing this much potential at that age, you know, potentially being like a junior or senior in high school, like, he has a bright future ahead of him. And right now, Dew's doing a job. And, you know, Aaron shouldn't lose sleep over the fact that there's another good keeper ahead of him. I mean, he's just, I guess just putting things into perspective, he's only 17. Well, well let's say this, though. I, I think we can all probably agree that Dew's on the roster because the front office knew that Cervantes was going to be uh, have commitments with the national team. So he's not going to be there. And again, sort of like what you said, Cameron, not really much faith in Lopez as a starting goalkeeper, especially when you're trying to make a late season push here. So I, I think we can all agree that it's not like do has come in and totally stolen Aaron Cervantes's starting job as a goalkeeper. It, it brings more competition. I think Dylan, you and I were speaking about this recently. It's going to give Cervantes more competition. It's going to push Cervantes to, to try harder because he knows now it's not like solely his position. He actually has to show that he, he deserves it. I'm going to say, I'm going to sort of predict comfortably here that for the remainder of the season, it's probably dude's job just because Aaron's got his current commitment where he was just at. And then he's got to get prepared for the, the world cup coming up soon. If, if he, is going to be on that roster. So I think uh, unless any kind of craziness happens where maybe Sparta gets dropped or uh, do gets hurt, we're probably going to see do for the remainder of the season, which from what we've seen so far, I don't see that being too bad of an issue. Right, Dylan? No, it's actually brilliant. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> it's okay. I, it's okay. Go for it, Dylan. I was, I was already read it, but I think you got things. You got to go back and edit an F-bomb. So. <laughs> no, just mark down what it was, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's a good situation to be in when you've got two goalkeepers who can absolutely be number ones and have proven themselves to be capable number ones. I feel bad for Brayden. Um, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Um, you know, this isn't like a, who's going to play as a right back when we only have one uh, fit right back. Um, but I'm I'm happy with this, and I, I think Aaron will. Uh, you know, he's the number three. Uh, goalkeeper for the U17s, but I, I'm sure he's on his way over uh, for the U17 World Cup. I don't see how he couldn't be. Um, you know, it, we've got him in the future, and, and I think that's what's important. I think we were talking on, on Sunday, you know, we'd love to see Andre Rawls back. We'd love to see Frederick Deuce stick around. We'd, you know, we love Aaron. You know, he's one of our own. 
you can't have all three. It kind of sucks. Um, we get a couple more Orange County teams or something so they can all uh, <laughs> all feature and have their time to shine and, and, and really impress everyone. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, I'll go to you, Alan, really quick before we pick our man of the match. Uh, two goals scored in the match. Uh, Darwin Jones, Michael Seaton. Who would you say had the better goal of this uh, this match? Or the more important goal, uh, whichever one you want to go with. Um, I thought the, the Darwin Jones-Seaton goal was uh, definitely a little bit more like just classic Darwin Jones down the side and putting it to Seaton who actually got a really good touch on it. Um, I really like the second goal. I think it comes from a restart. Uh, obviously watching on TV, you didn't see what happened, but I think uh, Forrester ends up poking it over to, to Seaton and then Seaton plays it perfectly over to uh, Darwin Jones. And it's really nice to see Darwin Jones have the confidence to really slot that in and find his spot. Uh, I think that goal was really kind of a team goal. I think it was um, a product of the pressure that Orange County was putting on Portland as opposed to you know a good pass and a good run. I think it was just uh, tenacity on a on a on a basically a dead ball uh, to get a turnover in offensive zone and really turn it into a goal. I think when Orange County can do that, um, we have the run of play already. We have the build up play already, but to have that kind of defensive tenacity in the offensive third, I think is going to benefit us in the long run. So that was the goal that I was uh, the m- more impressed with. Perfect. And then I'll go to you, Dylan, really quick. Uh, any performance out there from Orange County that you were sort of disappointed with or, or as far as like a, a, an individual player or two, not like as a team for that second half? Is there anyone that maybe didn't pull their weight for this match? Yeah, um, I think Hugo Ariano had a, had a rough game. Um, I think the, the one goal that Portland scored um, was, was kind of uh, his fault. Um, no, I'm thinking of the wrong. They missed. They ended up missing. But uh, he just didn't really do his um, his mark in the way he should have. Got caught out, and it just led to chaos in the box. But well, I think he you hasn't and played I, that much. Yeah, I think we did talk about it. And I was like, like oh, he, no, he, uh, no, no, he he decommitted on a fifty-fifty ball. He could have won. I yes, think he also was... didn't commit there, and then got caught out way up the pitch. Um, it's not his natural position. He doesn't get to play a lot. So I, I, I do want to, you know, <coughs> give him some leeway there. And it was ultimately nothing that really doomed us. Um, he didn't switch off on any set pieces and didn't go in and try and two foot anyone. So wasn't the best performance, probably the weakest on the team. Not terrible. Not, not the worst thing we've seen this year. Perfect. Uh, really quick, before we move on to talk about this upcoming match, let's just pick our man of the match. I'm going to start with you, uh, Alan, man of the match for the match against Portland. Um, I'm probably going to go with Frederick Dew. Perfect. Cameron, what about you? Ooh, this is tough because there are a few candidates, but I'm going to say Walker Hume. I think he made a few good interceptions that prevented Portland from going on the break. So I'm going to say him. Perfect. Dylan. Oh, man. This is, yeah, this is the tough. Um, oh, man. I got to say Darwin Jones. He really terrorized the the uh the portland defense it's not harry forrester um he had another good game um definitely but not you can't beat out darwin or i can't say that he'd beat out darwin or or frederick 
or even Mike or Aiden um, or Christian, really. Christian, you know, low-key had a very, very good game, as we've come to expect from him. Perfect. I'm going to have to agree with Alan on this one. I'm going to go with two. Uh, I, I think, again, some amazing goalkeeping there, keeping us in the game early. And uh, we get a couple goals, and then he's able to at least hold it off uh, for the match. Uh, so I'm going to go with Dew on that uh, for my pick. Uh, let's move ahead then because uh, an important match coming up, a revenge match for Orange County in the reverse fixture here as Orange County is going to welcome one of the newer teams to the league, El Paso Locomotive, uh, to – Championship Soccer Stadium. Uh, last time these two teams met, wasn't so great for Orange County. I think you still had like a rather new, unknown entity there in El Paso Locomotive when these last team, these teams last met in last met in March. I got to slow it down so I make sure I say that right. Uh, to help us with this in, uh, this preview, I, I tried to do this last match, but it didn't quite work out because of timing. But we were able to make it work here. We've got Phil and Phil. You're from Seriously Loco Soccer Pod. Is that did I get the name correct? Yay or nay? Yeah, yeah. I uh, sorry, still no, no manipulating problem, no problem. the mute button out here, acting real brand new. But uh, yeah, <laughs> from uh, seriously loco, you got it, got it dead on, and uh, thank you guys for being on. You know, we, as we always say, we love to have guests, especially when it's someone that's really an expert of a an opponent or another team. Because as much as we all love soccer, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, Phil, it's hard to watch all the soccer in the world, all the soccer in the USL. There's so many teams in the USL. It's even hard just to watch the Western Conference. So when we have an opportunity to to partner like this, we love to take care or, or to take advantage of that. And I appreciate you taking some time because I know it's a little bit later out there in Texas uh, than it is out here in California. So again, thank you for that. Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's it's crazy trying to watch every every even Western Conference game in the USL. So um, yeah, happy to provide some context. I will say Alan probably tries the, the hardest out of all of us to watch as much soccer as he can. You can see him there in his, his awesome pink shirt. So, you know, he, he likes to watch a lot of soccer. Uh, let me jump to you though, Phil, really quick. Uh, we last met really early in the season. I believe it was a March matchup for these two teams. What has, or what's it been like for El Paso in this first season? And especially since we last saw you guys uh, over there in, in El Paso. Yeah, it has been uh, it's been a roller coaster uh, for sure, because since we since we last met, um, we went on a kind of a big run uh, in terms of we 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 didn't lose uh, for about nine, nine games after we met, um, went on a nice uh, run. We're briefly <laughs> joint top of the league and then uh, and then fell off, didn't win in 11 straight. So we've had we've had peaks and valleys. Um, but in the interim, obviously, we signed Jerome Kiesewetter. We uh, we had our uh, new signing in Sebastian Velasquez as well. Um, so there's been a lot of roster changes. Um, recently brought in Alexi Bassetti from OKC. Still waiting for him to make his debut. But yeah, we've had uh, we've had quite a bit of ups and downs. Um, but recently had this up with against uh, against Las Vegas last weekend. Got the three nothing win. So. Um, hoping that that's us turning a corner, but yeah, it's been a little bit of a dry spell here recently. And, and you know, I think any fan outside of Las Vegas would be excited if a team can beat for, uh, beat Vegas. So awesome on that. Uh, and way to go! You know, we got Mr. Cameron here that loves to try to distract all of uh, all of us with all the the sound effects while he's hanging out. I guess at the beach tonight. So great job on that. Um, 
What's uh? Who's been like? Wait, being... are you hearing like my footsteps? <laughs> uh, we hear every noise that comes out of your your microphone there, uh, Cameron. Just so you know, it's okay. It's it's all good. All right. it, it, Sorry it about adds, that. No, it adds some. Uh, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word. I, I ambiance. Ambiance. Yeah, that'll work. Now. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right. Bumpy, bump, bumpy ambiance. And by the way, as we're all talking right here, right now, if you're watching our live stream, if you can get a good stream of it right now, there are the, the highlights from the reverse fixture between these two teams. This, this happened in El Paso again back in March, so quite a long time. Um, what's it been like, Phil, for El Paso fans as far as this season? Has it been what you guys expected? Uh, has it been better? Has it been worse? Uh, just give us the fan perspective of this and how you guys have been enjoying it. I think our uh, I, I think our expectations have kind of changed, obviously, as the season went along. Uh, coming in, you know, your inaugural year, you're not really sure what to expect. So our uh, our expectations were, you know, compete for a playoff spot. If we make it great, if we don't, then that's fine. And but I think now that you know we've seen just how competitive and open the West is, um, we do expect and and given the the bits of quality that we've seen from the team, I think most people expect us to finish in the top half and grab a playoff spot. So that's, I think that's the expectation now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see us compete for a playoff spot in the first year and, and try to build from there. Honestly. I mean, as we're recording this or broadcasting, broadcasting this, whatever you want to say, El Paso is in 11th, but just one point uh, behind what uh, OKC, New Mexico, Real Monarchs and Sacramento Republic. So, uh, legitimately one point out of seventh place there. And um, even when you look even further up the table, Austin Bold sitting with 40 points and you guys are currently at 36. So even realistically, you can get to that spot if you have a good run of a form and some of these other teams falter a little bit, hopefully not Orange County, hopefully Orange County continues their great run of form and you guys start it in another week or so. But sure. that that sort of shows what you're saying there is just this crazy competitiveness openness of the Western conference. Literally, I think you can even go below El Paso. Portland still can legitimately make a, a claim that they have a playoff uh, chance there. San Antonio at 13 with 34 points. Maybe Las Vegas lights has a chance in there. I, I know we're sort of getting to that point now where you're like, yes, no, maybe so. Um, but uh, again, I, I, that's what makes this match such an amazing match this weekend is you got two teams that are competing for a spot uh, in playoffs. I mean, Orange County is in no way safe at this point. They could easily drop down to 12th or 13th in just a couple matches. So uh, I, I'm going to open it up to Alan, Dylan, or Cameron, if you have any questions for Phil, uh, and then we'll maybe talk a little bit what to expect out of this match. Hmm. Cameron, if you're going to make hmm. noise, you have to ask a question. <laughs> true. True. I, want, I, want, I want to feign like I'm trying right now. <laughs> well, then so, I, I guess oh, – go go ahead, Alan. Uh, so El Paso, outside of like Vegas and like a little bit in Tulsa, has had some issues being consistent goal scorers. I know they have one guy like, I think on like 10 and everyone else is in threes and fours. Is there someone you're looking for – for like a secondary scoring threat, or is it all pretty much running through uh, one guy at this point? Well, uh, just just this week uh, we had uh, Josue Aron Gomez kind of emerge as a as a threat. He is a loanee from FC Juarez, right across the border here in El Paso, and uh, he 
spent about six weeks injured, um, came into uh, an away match um, for about 12 minutes uh, as a substitute and was subbed off with an injury. So uh, he had shown flashes here and there, but this week scored three goals across two games um, and kind of established himself as more of a threat. But yeah, we are still looking for that consistent second score. I think, uh, I think, Bringing in Bassetti um, was kind of a way to try to to solve that, despite the fact that he didn't show that much uh, goal scoring at OKC. I think in our system he might be a little better off, but Seb Velasquez is is probably the first name um, in terms of guy plays right behind the striker and and can provide goals out of that spot. So there's a few options to to kind of add to their total here in the last uh, eight, eight or so games um, towards the end of the season. But um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if we can get a little bit more consistency across this, this run in than we've had, because it has been very stop start from a lot of different players. And do you think uh, Gomez gets the start this Saturday? Do you think you're going to use him similarly to last week where he comes on like 79, 80th minute and then just, explodes for a couple goals in like 10 minutes <laughs> yeah i think uh i think we see him i i'd be shocked uh given the nature of the performance against vegas it was it was really good uh like a complete 90 minutes i i'd be shocked if lowry goes away from the lineup that he played um i think he probably looks for consistency because with all the injuries that we've had this year it's something that he hasn't really had um he hasn't really had the ability to select you know two of the same 11s back to back. So um, I, I think he'll look for consistency and then, yeah, look to use Gomez as that, as that, uh, you know, weapon, if he's either trying to change the game or, you know, with the lead, like he did against Vegas, provide that little bit of pressure um, with fresh legs on the front line. Uh, now for, to change gears a little bit, what's your favorite vegetable? <laughs> oh man. Favorite vegetable. I don't know. Do you guys eat vegetables in Texas? Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. um, it can be fried. fried. That's not a vegetable. <laughs> Brisket no. isn't a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you got like out here in El Paso. That's like it's a different type of Texas out here. Um, like, like I've lived, I've lived in Central Texas, and and yeah, it's two different worlds. So this is not much like barbecue out this way. Um, but no, I'd have to say favorite vegetable. I'll go. I don't know. I'll go broccoli. Yes, love, love a good man. Love yeah. Charlie Adams is going to call in. in. Love a good, love a good, Charlie, love a good broccoli. Charlie Adams gave us his steamed broccoli recipe when we <laughs> when he first got uh, introduced as a new member of the club. It was awesome. It was so simple and sweet, but uh, but great. You you should uh, check out that episode. Anyone that loves broccoli, go check it out and see how Charlie Absolutely. Adams makes broccoli. Uh, let me, let me, since we're talking about food, I'm going to throw this out. And then we'll talk about the match briefly. Uh, Alan seems to think San Diego has the best tacos in the world, but I know I've heard from people in Texas that areas of Texas tend to have some really good tacos. Uh, can El Paso tacos compete with San Diego tacos? And uh, you know, do you think they're better than what Alan eats while he's hanging out in uh, South Southern California? I uh, I can't speak to San Diego's tacos. I've sadly never been to San Diego. Um, it's it's on the list shortly, hopefully this year. But um, but no, I, I so I can't say whether they're better. But I I I would say that I'll put 
I'll put El Paso tacos up against any uh any tacos anybody's got. Um there are just some amazing spots down here to to get a good taco. All right, so for any of our listeners, if they ever make it out to El Paso, what is the spot they need to go? If they can only go to one spot to try a taco in El Paso, what is Phil the right The place to go for Mexican food and any native will tell you is Ellen J's Cafe. Straight up. It's in central. It's in the central part of town, Ellen J's. It's, um, yeah, it's not far from the stadium such either. Such a Mexican so. name, too. I know. It sounds... It's <laughs> such, a, such a Mexican name for, for, a, for a, might, a Mexican restaurant. Might as well call it Karen's. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's so good. Uh, I feel like we're forgetting LA. I, I feel like we're forgetting LA tacos because those garbage. are the best in the <laughs> LA's garbage. <laughs> Taco Wars 2018. Just because you're close to the border doesn't mean your tacos are better. That's if, just because you're close to the border doesn't mean you've, your tacos are better. That's that if you've never had a if you've never had a Tijuana street taco, you're missing out. You guys I've are just t- ignoring the fact. You guys are all ignoring Rose's Cantina and El Paso. This fictional place that was so good that Marty Robbins sang about it. Come on. And the Grateful Dead. If that's more your vibe. I'll give you Lucha Libre California burritos are golden. Like those are oh. good. Okay. So we should probably get back on topic before everyone stops listening. <laughs> Some people aren't a fan of the hour long podcast. We're, we're not gonna go now. Hey, we're Lucha. gonna get it on time. We're gonna we're gonna make it work. Uh, let's talk about this match briefly. Um, Phil, what does El Paso have to do to come out victorious in this match this coming weekend? Well, the thing that, that we were most focused on against Vegas was limiting Ivan Pada, who, you know, he's obviously their main threat. So for you guys, you have two big threats now in, in Darwin Jones and, uh, and Seton. So for us, I think keeping a clean sheet that that would be foremost in our minds um and then yeah just the uh just from there it's it's being being professional keeping 11 men on the field which we did this time around as well um and and hopefully snagging a goal i'm hoping for for another clean sheet but obviously a big ask with your guys offensive power uh these days and the, the, do you have any questions for us uh, that maybe you want to relate to your listeners or your followers or your fans out there in El Paso? Uh, is there anything we can help you out with in, in preps for this game? Well, I mean, aside from obviously you have the you have those two big threats up front, but I mean, in terms of service, we saw you know in this last game Darwin Jones assisting Seton, Seton assisting Jones, so. Who else is the who else are the the threats kind of either creatively or or scoring wise um, from you guys? Uh, Jerry von Wolfgang and Aiden Quinn are probably the next two on that on that list. Um, they're a little more dangerous from distance. Um, Jerry likes to work his way to the top of the box and he'll have a shot from there. Um, he normally plays a little more central of a role this year. Aiden will take a shot from twenty five yards out. Um, if, if if it suits him, if no one closes him down. If you want an yeah, imposter, go. You always say Harry Forrester <laughs> too. Yeah, he'll make you sweat guy. for like half a second, and he'll either put something on frame, but right at the keeper, or mm. it's a shot that like might go out for a throw-in. He he he. There's only two. He's the USL Andros Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that actually that makes sense for anyone that doesn't know who Anders Townsend is. Go check out. Uh, I don't know where is he playing now. Crystal Palace. Yeah, um, that's where he's. Been I, I will say because I know you asked for a minute. Uh, I know he, uh, Phil, you were asking about creativity, uh, create creativity as far as the players. But I, I, I know uh, Cameron and I were talking before any of you else, uh, anyone else, jumped onto this conversation here before we went live. Uh, one of the key players to this team that I think has been a part of this this turnaround and this great run of form as of late, and I think Dylan and Alan will agree on this, is uh, uh, um, Christian Duke. Uh, he was missing for most of the first part of the season there. Uh, due to an injury, he's been a key part of this turnaround ever since he's returned. It's looked like a different Orange County team, so I think he's sort of that glue piece in the middle. Although he doesn't, if you look at his stats, it doesn't nothing pops out to you as far as goals, assists, or whatnot. But I think he's a huge piece of that um, solid midfield when him and Aiden Quinn are there together. It sort of becomes this this thing that orange county can rely on they don't have to really think about what needs to go on there because it's two quality experienced usl players right there in the middle and and duke is a big part of that um alan i don't know if you have something to throw in there or if, if we covered it all for you no i, I think you kind of nailed it with uh jones and seaton um you always got to look out for joe miko i think uh, he had a couple chances created as well uh we like to play our uh left back right back kind of up uh, into the offensive zone, uh, particularly when Contour is on the field. Uh, but Emiko does the kind of the same job, and we kind of press those left back, right back up the field um, to put some pressure on the outside so Jones doesn't have to. Um, so I, I, I think it's kind of pick your – I think it's kind of pick your poison uh, with offensively. Uh, I think what it boils down to, I think, with El Paso and Orange County is El Paso – uh, doesn't give up tons of goals. Um, their I know their goal differential is is not like uh, oh my goodness amazing, but it's a pretty solid, especially for the first year. Uh, they don't give up tons of goals. They don't score tons of goals. Um, so I I think if they can keep Orange County uh, again clean sheet or you know maybe a goal, I think they have a, a good chance of pulling out uh, a, a, walking out with at least a draw. Um, I think if Orange County scores anything more than a goal, I think they're they're in trouble. Uh, they're kind of don't score a lot, but they don't let, let up a lot. Um, and they've kind of been inconsistent on the road. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what El Paso teams shows up. Um, you know, with El Paso, New Mexico, bringing those two new teams, everyone was kind of high on New Mexico and everyone was kind of sleeping on El Paso. But if you look at the standings, they're kind of neck and neck right now. Um, so I think it'll be a fun game. To, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Um, I think it'll be kind of defense sitting in and hopefully, hopefully um, for them trying to keep Seton and Jones off the scoreboard. And it'll be interesting to see um, Orange County has been playing very uh, aggressive uh, attacking football. I think they've scored 10 goals in the last couple, uh, four games, five games, uh, outscored opponents like 10 to two. Uh, so it'll be it'll be a pretty fun chess match out there to see uh, which pieces come together uh, to see if El Paso can keep them out of uh, off the scoreboard. Uh, any other information we we can provide you, Phil, before we head to our predictions for this match? I don't I don't think so. I think uh, I think we're looking at at what could be a a really fun matchup, and 
yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how things played out play out because I I think we're two very different teams from when we last met, um, both in just how we play and then from our side personnel wise for sure. So I think I think it'll be, at, you know, as if it's basically a clean slate as if we haven't played before because it's it's two very different sets of circumstances at this point. Just hopefully a more fun match for the Orange County fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to get into our predictions now. So the way this works, Phil, just in case, and Cameron, since you haven't been around for a while, is we like to pick a, a predict a score line and who's going to be like the, the key player uh, in that match. It could be from either team. So, uh, Phil, if you think an Orange County player is going to be the key player and vice versa, if any of us think it's going to be one of the El Paso players. So I'm going to um, give everyone a chance to think, except for I'm going to go to Cameron. Cameron, what is your prediction for this match scoreline and the uh, key player to the match? Okay, so I'm going to say the good times keeper one for Orange County. I say we win 2 nothing, and I think the key player is Christian Duke. Because if Christian Duke can do all of the central midfield rough and tumble, it dirty will work. allow Aiden Quinn. Oh, yeah, the dirty. I was just being verbose. Um, and it would allow Aiden Quinn to push further forward. And I think when Quinn is hanging around the edge of the 18 yard box, he's able to that up Orange County and creating chances because we've seen the team starting to now break down defensive squads as well. Perfect. And now we'll uh, throw it out to you, Phil, uh, your prediction for this match score and key player. Uh, so I'm going to stay, stay true to the prediction I just gave on our, on our podcast as well. I'm going to go two one to locomotive. Um, and the, the key player is going to be um, Sebastian Velasquez for, for locomotive because uh, what he was able to do in Vegas was uh, relieve pressure on on Locomotive's defense by receiving the ball deep and, and dribble to break the lines as well. Um, so in transition, he can be very dangerous, and he was able to uh, find players in space to uh, to put Vegas under pressure. So that I'm hoping that he can continue kind of that that impact in uh, in this match as well. Perfect. What about you, Al? Uh, I'm going to do the same scoreline, but I'm going to go the opposite direction. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 uh, Orange County. Uh, I think the way that Orange County has been playing offensively, uh, they're scoring about one goal every 50 minutes or so. Uh, I, I think they can get two goals. I think Amico is going to play uh, an important role again, um, You know, pumping balls into the box and allowing Darwin Jones and Seton to get on the ends of those. Uh, I think Frederick Dew is going to come up. Uh, pretty big, and uh, I think it's going to be hard to get a clean sheet against El Paso. I think, uh, I mean, as inconsistent they've been on the road, I think there is a chance that they uh, do put one in, uh, but I think if we score first, uh, I think we walk away with a 2-1 victory. Perfect. Perfect. Dylan, I got a pretty much echo that. Um, I, was it Kaisfutter? Is that his last name? I don't know how it's actually said. Yeah, Kiesevetter. So like, Kiesevetter, yeah. He scored 11 and 17, yeah. so I don't think you could say that uh, through him or um, or Sebastian Vasquez that they're not going to score. Uh, I think it's it's much like every other Orange County game. Just try and get two or three in, preferably three, so you can, you can weather that storm if they if they pull one back and just puts the game a little bit out of reach. But I think 2-0. Um, 
I don't know how much Joe Miko is really going to get involved in the attack. I do like when he sits back a little bit more and just offers a, an option for Darwin Jones to relieve a little bit of pressure. Um, I'd say you know, I look for set pieces in this match. Orange County's done a really good job defending them, and I would like to see a couple more goals from the. Uh, I'd like to see Walker Hume get his name on the on the uh, on the score sheet again, um, or Michael Orozco because he's he's managed now a couple weeks ago. So I think an Orange County win. Uh, I think we're in too good a form. Um, I think last week would have been scary enough to kind of remind the side that they do need to see out matches and they do need to, to play a full 90 and they can't take their foot off the gas. Perfect. And now it's time for Dylan's favorite prediction of the episode. Um, I've told you it doesn't work. That's not, it, that's not how this works. It has worked. Phil, you ready for this? Uh, yeah. I don't even know if Phil yeah. knows what's coming right here. My prediction five nil El Paso. <laughs> oh man, this doesn't work. The only thing that's more of a guarantee of Ray saying five nil to whatever team we're playing is that I'm definitely gonna complain about it. And I, <laughs> I swear so God, I, he just does it to wind me up. Well it, it's just it's 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 just it's just so untrue, but Ray has this like superstition. I if he says like an outlandish score on the other team, it's kinda like he has nothing to lose mentality. It's like yeah. Orange County is going to so win. The last, four matches, the last four of the matches that we have played, that has been my prediction for the other team to, to win 5 0. And also, when we played Phoenix, I predicted we'd win 5 0. Uh, and when and, we played Vegas the first time, and how that worked. Okay. So that was the <laughs> one time it didn't work. But and Los Dos, like you in your, all the other weeks no, that we've tried. No, I didn't do it in those ones. That's the thing. As I've only done it on a select few. I've done it in this last run of form and against Phoenix and against Vegas. And let's hope Oliver doesn't hear about this. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sure just, he's just it, it's I'm working. Just it's working. I am doing my part as an Orange County fan to 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 will them to victory there. So five nil <laughs> go Orange County. Uh let's do this for, for time consideration here because we're trying our best to try and stay under an hour for our episodes. Is there any important soccer news anyone wants to briefly share with our listeners? Yeah, the international break sucks. Yes, it does. <laughs> and I know Cameron's going to go crazy about this probably because of Giovanni Lo Celso. No Let's just say that Tottenham gets, gets, gets an injured player. He's out six to eight weeks. That sucks. Yeah, international break sucks. Uh, sort of lucky with USL. It doesn't really impact it much. Um, but yeah, it does suck. Well, I mean like – Anyone else? I mean, like Tottenham, all, all of our three summer signings that are at the club at the moment are injured. It's peak. It's peak Tottenham. And like, <laughs> uh, we signed nobody last, last summer, but we signed people. They can't even play. So it's like, what kind of cruel joke does uh, the divine order of the universe want to play on us? <laughs> Perfect. Anyone else? Any important soccer news to share? Going once, going twice. All right, cool. Uh, we're gonna. Ford get to Madison our... is awesome. Okay, awesome. Ford Madison is awesome. Way to go, Cameron. Um, <laughs> let's do this. Let's I'm get pay- to our yeah. random thought. Random thought of the episode, Cameron. We're gonna get there. Random thought of the episode. So, Phil, just so you know, this is where we just share a random idea. It doesn't have to be soccer related. It could be crazy. It could be interesting. Dylan likes to share books to read or poems to read or some random stuff that no one reads, anyways. Uh, but that's what he likes to do. I'm going to start with Cameron. Cameron, what is your random thought for this episode? Well, I just finished a 189-episode podcast of the history of Rome by Mark Duncan. Uh, 
really dry, but a lot of spicy information. That's how great this like podcast your... is. So, <laughs> the podcast guys oh, do yeah. not want to see. You know, if you want to learn about the history of Rome, <laughs> uh, maybe it was just me. I don't know. I couldn't hear what, what you were saying there. For <laughs> Um, let's go to Dylan. What is your uh, random thought? Um, my literature recommendation this week is a poem called "In Envy of Cows" by Joseph Oslander. Um, just just have a read. Everyone loves cows, even the vegetarians and vegans, because they like to save their lives or whatever. Um, cows are the gentlest animals with very soft eyes. Holsteins are the most boring, but classic at the same time. Um, I really like cows. So if there's like a cow petting zoo or something, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. If someone could let me know where that is. Um, well, I need, I need to save a clip of that. It's true. I'm just really excited to see everyone again this weekend uh, in the CLC. It's been a few weeks um, and, you know, I've seen people here and there at the watch parties, but it's always more fun when we're together and drinking. Perfect. Alan, what about you? Yeah, I got two quick ones. Uh, one is uh, Jessica Berman. It was just hired by the National Lacrosse League uh, as the deputy commissioner and executive vice president of business affairs, making her the first woman to hold the title of commissioner in a men's professional sports league. Uh, the fact that uh, the fact that it's this. the first in its 2019 is, uh, you know, you, you would hope that this would happen sooner. Um, there's an interview on uh, Burn It All Down podcast with her. Uh, kind of talks about her backstory. She comes from the NHL. Uh, so kind of big news in the sporting world. The other one is California legislator just passed SB 206, which is the Fair Pay to Play Act, uh, which allows, um, kind of pits California against the NCAA, saying that uh, collegiate athletes, um, are allowed to profit off of their image and likeness. Uh, and there's a bunch of rules and regulations regarding conflict of sponsorships and such. Uh, but uh, California is kind of pushing the envelope uh, and kind of putting some pressure on NCAA to allow students uh, to profit from their name and their likeness um, in college. Uh, so some pretty interesting stuff happening in both professional and amateur sports. Uh, so check that out again. Uh, Jessica Berman, Berman from the National Lacrosse League and SB206 in California. Perfect. And I'm sure Phil was totally expecting to learn about a new California law when he decided to join us this evening. Phil, do you have a random thought you want to share with our I listeners? I don't really. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not really even thinking um, of anything that has been going on because we just uh, <laughs> we just recorded, so I'm like all soccer right now. Um, so I'll just say, go Liverpool. Yeah, you're like on like four hours of, of podcasting so <laughs> no. far, right? Oh no, that'll be my Alan. You have that'll be my off. random thought. Oh man, you Liverpool. So well, at least I'm not movie? outnumbered though with this. I got oh my favorite movie. Uh, I'm gonna say, I think the Prestige. Wow. Christopher Nolan. Oh, there's your random thought. That's a good one. (laughs) So, so good. Uh, You know, I don't have really a random thought. I I, I don't know why I don't. I I should have one prepared every single week. I should be writing them down. Your random thoughts always taught and related, and they haven't played. 
<laughs> well, and Cameron took care of that, right? So I'll just say this. Uh, uh, if you are a social media person and you like the USL, they're hiring a social media coordinator. If you want to go live out in Tampa Bay and uh, do a bunch of social media stuff for the league, uh, check it out. Go to the website. The retirement fund. They'll match up to 6%. There you go. Dylan knows more about it than me. You've been looking into this, huh, Dylan? No, I, I saw no, that article, never, too. I would never look into it. I saw that post as well. Uh, so, yeah, so – yeah, of course you did, Cameron. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to end our episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Uh, I want to thank Phil for joining us from Seriously Loco uh, Soccer Podcast or Soccer Pod, however you guys say it out there in Texas. Uh, Phil, before we uh, head out, though, share with our listeners where they can maybe follow you or follow the podcast and where they can get more information about El Paso Locomotive. Yeah, you guys can follow us at uh, Seriously Loco EPTX, uh, seriously spelled like an eighth grade girl uh, texting somebody. Um, and uh, yeah, you can follow us there on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, and you'll get all of the uh, all of our podcasts are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. So you can find us pretty much anywhere. Perfect. Really quick, Cameron, uh, if our listeners want to follow you, where can they follow you? So you can follow me at um, at what cameron said on twitter um, on instagram you can follow me at simply known as cam and that's it alan hey underwood 48 on the twitter machines dylan you can find me on twitter at ocsc underscore dylan or on reddit slash u slash ocsc underscore dylan Perfect. You can follow me on Twitter at DJ Ray Samora. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast uh, or on Facebook. Just search Orange and Black Soccer Cast, Instagram at OCSC underscore soccer cast. Go to our website to find all this information. Listen to our podcast. Follow, find us on social media. See where you can listen to us. That's OCSCpodcast.com. Or if you like to type a lot, Orange and Black Soccer Cast.com. Um, I am Ray. I want to thank again, once again, Phil for joining us on this episode for all of the you that continue to listen each and every episode. Thank you for doing so. We love it. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to some of our old episodes. This is the orange and black soccer cast for Phil, for Dylan, for Alan, for Cameron. This is Ray and we are out. Thanks to our sponsor, Gruffneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.